Hello, you are listening to the Oh Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. Thank you for joining my podcast. Welcome to this extra bonus episode of Oh Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow, where I am helping Gabriel Hargrave launch his new book. If you're under 18, it is time to leave the podcast now, baby love, because this is for adults only. I am so excited to announce that this particular podcast episode is an interview with Gabriel Hargrave. And he has been on the podcast before. So I will put the link to that down in the podcast notes too, in case you're interested in checking that out. But he is a repeat customer a repeat guest, a repeat friend on my podcast. He is a queer, erotic romance author and editor, co-host of the podcast 47. He is the author of the amazing, first of its kind, amazing epic book, The Orchid and the Lion. Check that out. And The Things We Pretend and The Orchid's Lion, which is on Kindle Vella. Today is the launch day for his book, between desire and satisfaction. Check that out. I will put the link down in the podcast notes. It is live today. It is amazing. I've read portions of it. It's so good. And we get a special reading. Woohoo! And before we get into that, a quick message from this episode's sponsor. An intriguing podcast. Check it out. Sponsored by Ruin's got a hell of an episode for you today, but first, I'd like to pitch Red by Daylight. Halloween may be over, but why does the fun have to end there? What pairs better with erotica than comedy and a dash of horror? Each Monday, I and two very gay friends talk about the lore of a different killer from the survival horror game Dead by Daylight. There's all sorts of monsters out there in the fog. So far, we covered an invisible hunter a Dollar Tree Jason Voorhees, and a hot buff lady who wears masks and throws hatchets. Maybe even step on you, if you're lucky. Oh yeah, uh, we get horny with it too. We even check out what Rule 34 porn the fanbase has whipped up to see what they think about the killer. Sound fun? Check out Red by Daylight, that's R-E-A-D by Daylight, on your favorite podcasting app. Or go to redbydaylight.net. Okay, I want to introduce you to Gabriel Hargrave. Check him out on Amazon Books, also on Twitter. And I'm going to put all the links down in the podcast notes because he's other places as well. Okay, let's fucking go. Oh, yeah. We talk so much, we could keep going and going and going. (laughs) We just, we're just very chatty. (laughs) Okay, enjoy. This is fucking awesome. Hello, everyone. I have a very special guest, and I'm so excited to have him on for a second time. He is a repeat guest on the podcast, and we had such a fabulous talk last time. Like, we couldn't stop talking. It was amazing. It was super long, and it was super fun. (laughs) But I would love to introduce you to Gabriel Hargrave, and he is an erotic author, erotic romance, sweet and spicy queer erotic fiction is there anything you want to add to that? And welcome, Gabe. Do I, do I call Hi, you Gabe or Gabriel? I'm drawing a blank here. No, Gabe is perfect. Gabe's I use that a lot, actually, because I, I publish under Gabriel Hargrave. Mm. But I, I usually just go by Gabe. And so people are like DMing me, going, is it okay if I call you Gabe? I was like, yeah, yes, that's my, my name. <laughs> I thought that was it, but I'm like, I'm going to clarify because I don't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> people ask. I do love that. <laughs> Well, so you are here to promote your new 
Is it? It's an erotic tales. Yeah, you you talk about it because you know I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> um, between satisfaction, between desire and satisfaction. Well, let me make my own title wrong. So it's between. Oh my gosh! Sorry, brain. Okay. I will apologize if my brain goes blank. I did move this week, so. Oh, I know. It's so much work, right? That's going to occupy all your thoughts. <laughs> For real. So it is a collection of erotic short stories. And my first foray into erotic poems, which is not usually a thing I do, is called Between Desire and Satisfaction. There's, I believe, 23 sorts and poems that I had written for the Kinktober Challenge last month, which I didn't fully complete. You're supposed to do 30, all 31 of the prompts. I just did not get to all of that. <laughs> but mm. a fair number of them at least. That's awesome. Very cool. Would you care to read anything for us? I would love it if you so, did. I was I was trying to decide which one I wanted to do. And I decided to go for one. It's called You. It is in first person, which is what I always write in apparently. But it's it's directly addressing that the character that the, the main character is talking to is basically you. Um, okay. So you paid for two hours. Told me to meet you at a motel just outside of town. My bodyguard Kirk had raised his eyebrows at that, but I just patted his arm and assured him you knew who was going to be in the room keeping an eye on me. I didn't tell him you liked the idea of someone watching, but he put the pieces together on his own. Still worth it? He asks as we pull up outside the motel. His nose is all scrunched up. This looks grimy. Been here before, I tell him, grabbing my bag from the back seat. It's nicer on the inside. Not by much, I silently add. When he gets out of the car, he checks that his gun is in its holster and the safety is on. I'm hoping you'll be on your best behavior, because I'd hate to have to help him hide a body again. The front desk clerk barely gives us a second glance and tells me you're in room one. Business is booming, huh? Kirk jokes, earning a glare from the clerk. Check Kirk by my shoulder as we head down the hallway. Stop in front of your room. My safe word is coconut, I tell him, or, oh God, please shoot him, whichever comes first. Kirk makes this sound in the back of his throat. It's as close as he gets to laughing. I want your back. You know that. I do. He always does. I knock on the door and wait for you to tell me to come in. You're already naked and lying lying spread eagle on the bed. Hello, Mr. Story, you say, lifting your head. Hello. You're not unfortunate looking. You can even be handsome in the right light. This motel doesn't have the right light. You take me in from head to toe. It's a look I'm used to. A praising glance, as if you hadn't seen my ads, as if you don't jerk off on my paper face or imagine you while you use your plus light, as if you might find me lacking and decide to back out of our arrangement. The lascivious smile tells me you like what you see. Hardening cocks proof that the leather cat suit I picked tonight is exactly what you were hoping I'd wear. Never mind that I chose it for me. I like the way I look in it. Let's pretend this is about you. It's what you want. On your hands and knees, I order, and you scramble to obey. My high heels don't click on the floor when I cross the room because it's covered in grubby carpet. But if they did, this sound would be a perfect echo of your beating heart. You stare up at me, desire in your ship brown eyes, breath quickening a little as I caress your face with the back of my black gloved hand. My fingers trail down your face, my fingers trail down your face, your neck, your sparsely haired chest. I grab one of your nipples and squeeze, relishing your yelp. Are you going to be a good boy tonight? Yes, mistress. You moan as I twist your nipple. I jerk my chin at an armchair in the corner of the room, and Kirk gives it a disgusted look before standing beside it trying not to touch the walls or the furniture. And I graze my fingers along your spine, noting how you arch your back to meet my touch. Put down at the bed, I tell you. Yes, miss, don't speak unless I tell you. I interrupt. What's your safe word? Root canal. It's one of my favorite parts of the job, though I couldn't tell you why. 
I love hearing what clients come up with. I assume you're a dentist or maybe have a fear of them. It's none of my business. You said you wanted to be put into a cage? Yes. Yes, what? The prompt. Yes, mistress. Without another word, I start pulling things out of my bag and laying them out on the bed. Cockade, a riding crop, a cattle. I'll leave the strap on in the bag for now. I'm going to make you beg for that. Think about your third grade teacher, I tell you. You soften up in a heartbeat. You want a blindfold? I ask you after I lock you into the cage. No, mistress. How about a gag? No, mistress. Setting the bag down on the floor next to the bed, tuck your head back by the roots of your hair and say, I want you to count the spankings I give you. Understood? Yes, mistress. You have a decent ass. I'll give you that. It's pale and pasty, but it's delightfully round. That's a shallow dimple right above the crack. I give you a few light pats, watching your butt jiggle as you count them. And I let you really have it. Sound muffled by my glove. I'd worn them as a fashion statement, but they're making this less satisfying. So I peel them off and shove them in the bag before snaps, stopping you again. That's more like it, I think, hearing the smack of flats on flats. The moans grow deeper and more animalistic the higher you count. When you reach 35 spankings, I tell you to get a bunch of your knees. I want to see your cock all locked up and leaking, straining against the cage. You don't disappoint, and I remember you want to be humiliated, too. Hey, Kirk, come here, say, pointing at your dick. Ever see anything so pitiful in your life? Kirk smirks at you, and I see your cheeks flush. You actually fuck someone with that, he asks? Feel bad for your wife. You bite your lip, and I slap you across the face. Answer him. No, sir, you say, looking down at the comforter. I don't have a wife. Scoffing, Kirk says, knew it, being loser. Your moan is actually really sexy. It's low and long and pleading. You want more, but I'm going to make you wait. I shove your face down into the bed, rubbing it into the comforter. You want the crop? Yes, please, mistress. Cry is muffled in the fabric. Don't count these ones, I tell you. Just call your safer when it gets to be too much. Understood? Yes, mistress. You can take a lot more than I give you credit for. Your ass is already pink, but the crop turns it a nice shade of red before you call up root canal. You're a whimpering, quivering puddle on the bed. You're gasping out desperate breaths. Let me know when you're ready for more, I say, pulling two water bottles out of a bag. Crack one open, help you take a drink, then set it on the nightstand before gulping down some of my own bottle. I hold it out to Kirk and he shakes his head. I'm good, mistress, he pant after a while. Green. The paddle is next, but first I run my hand over your ass, feeling the heat radiating from it before I even touch it. You're a good boy, I purr, grabbing one of your sore red ass cheeks and squeezing it. Fuck, oh fuck, your voice is higher, pinched, breathless. Thank you, mistress. The paddle cracks across your ass, a warning shot. Count these ones. God knows I'm going to make them count. You get to 20, then lose count, your voice cracking as you try to remember what number you're on. You need to stop, I ask, the paddle frozen halfway between our bodies. No, mistress. You take a few deep breaths, your back rising and falling with the effort. Feels so good. Start over, I tell you, spanking you with the paddle again. Your voice is shaky and aroused when you say, One, take pity on you the next time you lose count. When you sit up again, wincing as your ass rests against your feet, you can tell you're dying to come. But I'm not done yet. You don't get to come until I say you can. And you don't get out of that cage so easy. Kirk, do you think he's earned my cock? He's been ignoring us, picking at his fingernails. He looks over at us now and smiles wickedly. I don't think any of these pricks ever deserve you. The two of us lock eyes, and I melt a little. So I can't believe this sweet, gorgeous, tightly muscled man married me. Four years, four blissful years of him supporting me and keeping me safe. Bores me every time I remember. <laughs> then I tear my gaze away and grip your chin, saying, I bet if I fucked you now, it'd be over too soon. You need time to come down a bit. Spanking you one more time, I order you to lie on your back and grab the crop again, pressing it into one of your nipples and twirling it. You choke out a gasp, your hips thrusting into the air. I slam the crop into your thigh. Do you have something to say? I ask. No, mistress. Didn't think so. I take my time with you, 
rubbing your saggy middle-aged flesh this stinging leather, watching your skin get pinker. I want to fuck you because I know you'll appreciate it. I know you'll come in thick ropes that beg me for more. I know you'll go home to your beige life with my name on your lips. You'll think of me in the middle of the night when you thrust into your lube's licking fist. And I know you'll hire me again, but you'll recommend me to all your friends. As I'm striking you, Kirk is calling you names. It's all in the size of your cock, telling you you're not worth me dropping a dildo on, or eating it up, loving the attention. That's the one he tells you I should just tie you to the bed and leave you there, aged and dripping pink on drenched in sweat. I'm hold of your ankles, I order you, forcing down the moan, threatening to escape from my lips as you expose your red, soon to pierce ass. Your hole is clean and pink and slightly hairy, and I pass you the lube and tell you to open yourself up. As you're fingering yourself, Kirk is helping me strip down out of my cat suit, his hands warm and soft against my skin. I turn around and bend over, exposing my ass to you as I pull the strap on and harness into my bag, your tortured moan fluttering through my chest and stomach. When I'm ready to go, I kneel between your legs on the bed and run my silicon cock up and down your crack. Maybe I'll keep you caged the whole time, I threaten, laughing when your eyes grow wide with fear. Do you like that? You're so fucking torn and I love it. On the one hand, you want to come with every fiber of your being. On the other hand, the idea of being into the mattress with no release peels to you. Grab the crop again and slap it against your balls a few times, reveling in the tortured groans spilling out of you. Use your words. It takes you a moment to find your voice, but you finally sputter out. Please, mistress, I want to come. Keeping the cage off your cock, I toss the silver toy aside. Glide my fingers up and down your length, leaving you harden at my touch. You're a lot bigger than I'd ever admit to you, especially since that's not what you're paying for. I rub my fake cock against your real one, putting both of them in my hand. You ready? Yes, mistress. Are you really? Your lip quivers and your whole body shudders. I want you inside of me. Good boy. I leave up the dildo and press it against your hole, teasing you with it. Beg me, you little bitch. Beg me to fuck you. Please, mistress, I've been such a good boy. You look up at me with wide eyes, but I decide they're actually not a terrible shade of brown. It's so much hotter when you're pleading. Please put your cock in my ass. I want to deny you just a little longer, but I can't. We don't have time. You spread yourself so well for me. And the head of my strap meets no resistance as I plunge it into you. Your legs spread even further, and your hips pump into the air. When I sink myself down to my silicon balls, you reach for your cock, but I slap your hand away. You said you could come hands-free, I remind you. You don't want to disappoint me, do you? No, mistress. Kirk's eyes are glued to us now, and I can see his delicious erection through his tight black pants. I want him to play with myself while we fuck, but I know he won't. He's a professional, after all, but I'll blow him in the car before we leave. His cum shooting down the back of my throat as he fucks my face. You grab hold of your ankles and pull your legs back. I'm surprised by how limber you are. Remembering the last request you'd sent me, I snake my hand up your body, wrapping it around your throat. Want me to choke you? I ask, knowing the answer, but wanting you to say it. Yes, mistress, please. As I pound into you, I grip you tighter, feeling your Adam's apple beneath my palm. You promised me you could take a lot. I'm going to give you your money's worth. You're gasping and letting out these plaintive strangled moans. I wrap my other hand around your neck and squeeze both of them, filling my thick cock into you. You can't talk. You can barely breathe. You gasp out a choked sob and shoot ribbons of palm onto my breasts and manage a breathless root canal. I immediately stop what I'm doing and check in on you. You still with me? Yes, mistress. You manage. But I slide the dildo out of you. You spurt one last pitiful squirt of cum, and I watch it run down your cock and onto your ass crack. Your cans be both bottles of water, and I help you sit up and drink some of it down and finish off the rest of mine. The two of us settle back up against the pillows, and you pat my leg. It's comforting rather than creepy. I know I've satisfied you and that you're just wordlessly thanking me. You okay? I ask, taking your leg at the knee. Yes, and no. I laugh, and you smile at me, and we sit there for a while until you start crying. 
throw my arms around you and tell you that you'll be okay. You believe me. I don't know if it's true or not. As you rest your head on my shoulder and sigh, no, tonight was exactly what you wanted, what you needed. Thank you, you whisper. Takes the cast she'd left on the nightstand and shoves it into the pocket of his pants. In time, I tell you, and I mean it. I always appreciate a job well done. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, <laughs> Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean-shaven or spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. <laughs> spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Very kinky and intense. Basically, my brand these days. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. BDSM, orgasm control, kinky stuff. Very, very sexy and intense. And so that was. Oh, go ahead. So, is that a short story or a scene or what what exactly? So, all of the. So, they're all, other than the four poems, they're all short stories. And they all had to fit a particular prompt. So there was a list of 31 different like sexual acts or kinks that the the, the different stories had to follow. Um, oh, that okay. one was find the list again. It's been a while since I've looked at it. That one was choking slash spanking. They wanted both of those together. Okay. There are some that are very specific, and there are others that are just like here, they're having sex in the kitchen. What? And that's right. all I got. Um, so some of them are um they're they're kinkier and more intense and then others are like softer and gentler and and more romantic there, sure. it runs kind of a whole gamut so like i have a variety of of not just couples because there are some like triads and um there's a couple at least one that is like a solo story but it's i try hard to bring a lot of uh, like warmth 
and uh, almost wholesomeness to what I write. So there's a second story called You Again, which is Mr. Story and You. And it's it's months after the first encounter that the two of them have, where you you the reader sees like that Corey and Kirk and and you are are very well acquainted. There's a, a bit at the beginning where like they're updating each other about lives, like they've only become friends even though you are a client. And uh there's there's this um the the last session that they're that Tori's gonna do with you. And so there's this like bittersweet sort of like, oh wow, I'm really actually gonna miss this guy. I have another set of stories, which is it's a lesbian couple, which is the first the the first time I've actually written actually sapphic stories. Um, okay. I oh so I'm, I'm currently working on two series that I was talking about when I first came on your show, which the second book is from Late's perspective and Late as a trans guy who's not mm-hmm. a mob. So there are there are scenes in two where it's two people who have vaginas, but one of them is not a woman. So it's not sapphic. It's it's you oh, know still yeah. like heterosexual. So sure. uh, with uh Rachel and Camille is the name of this couple. They're an older couple. One is and they're in their one is 40 and one is 50. They've okay. been together for 10 years. And so their stories are mm-hmm. more about like their romance and how their relationship came to be, as well as here's them having some pretty fantastic sex. Right. Perfect. <laughs> so, so that was what I, I wanted to do with all of these stories. So but even the ones that are one plots, because there's some of that, like you only get the characters once and then you never see them again. And then there's right. somewhere that two or three stories uh, in the in the collection that kind of follow them and and their their progression so to speak right yeah that's kind of fun so was it kind of fun to like get these prompts and be like okay i need to make something for this and and was it daily that you had to write something you said yeah so it was once a day and i actually i built up some like so i would i took a weekend at one point i wrote like seven or eight of these Mm. and then i had time to work on other stuff in in between like all these stories going up I have my editing job and I have all the other books. Second book of of the Orchid and the Lion series that I'm working on. Right. And I have like other I was working on a Halloween short story mm. um, and some other stuff. So I I didn't write these stories every day, but I did write like I did post them every day. Um, right. I, I write weirdly fast. And I've I've had my critique partner who I mentioned before. Um like she reminds me, like, look, hey, you could basically just sit down and write a bunch of this stuff up, and then like have time for other things too. Um, <laughs> but it was it was nice having the prompts because even though I was only getting like a word, a phrase, like I at least had a kernel that I could build around, and so I didn't yeah. know when I sat down to write any of that, especially at the beginning. Sorry, I had no idea what I was going to do with a particular story. But I was like, oh, so I need one where there are restraints involved or I need one where someone is begging or Mm. I need one. Um, There's a there's a voyeurism. Like I knew just a small piece of it and was able to build something around it. And over time, I would like write a story and I'd go, you know, what? I actually really like these characters and I think that they would be good. Right. 
other story. So I have somewhere, like even later in the book, there is just a couple or a throuple that only shows up once. But like two stories down the line, you go, oh, these are the characters that were in this other story. This is kind of mm, neat. Right. So so they were they were a lot of fun to do, although like it was stressful because I <laughs> had to post, supposed to post 31 of them, did not get there. I did. There are a couple of times where I went, you know what? I don't have time to write a story. It has to be posted tomorrow. They put these all up on my Patreon and they oh, were sure. yeah, yeah. free the month of October, but now they're patron only. And I right. might take them down. I don't know. Um, but so I went, you know what? I don't have time to write this. I will give people like a sneak peek of book two of, of the lion and the Dahlia. So mm. there's something, something that fits that prompt. So there's one of the prompts was, uh, where is it? It was, um, oh, I can't even find it. It was <laughs> in, public. in public. That was the, the, the prompt. And in book two, in, in Lion and the Dahlia, Lath has a client named Toby that mm. his kink is they go meet in an alley somewhere. And oh, they, okay. They, and so it's very like, kinky. Oh, but, Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you don't have to write a story. I can just post this scene. Um, but it's 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 funny because I didn't know until recently that I was even like capable of writing short stories. So I sure. tried and I went, everything is turning into a novel. Like what am I doing? <laughs> but I I have a a short story that's that I the first one I ever wrote that is coming out at some point. I don't have any like details on it. There's a an anthology of monster stories. And oh, I, I'm nice. almost positive mine is only is like only erotic story, or there might be like one other. But I think oh, there's okay. like 30 or 40 erotic story or 30 or 40 stories that are gonna be in this anthology. And it's the the conceit of it is that there's a city of monsters. Like it, there's whole mythology. That because it's a, a group project, there's a Discord server that everybody involved in it has been in, like giving suggestions for things and helping to create the map of the city and the history of the city and who lives there and what sort of buildings are we or do we have and what's the culture there. And so I I was like, I want to do this. Like I want to I want to do this anthology. I don't know what I want to do, but I I had to pick a monster, so I picked doppelgangers. Oh, nice. I, Yes, I was like, want something where a person can look like someone else. And I, not all of my work is about sex workers, but this particular doppelganger story is about a sex worker who he can change his features. He can change how oh, he looks. Oh, nice. So that he can be what the, uh, like the clients want. But as I was writing it, it turned into he's not just doing sex work. He actually does other he does other services. So your grandmother has passed away and you didn't get to say goodbye. Like he will do that oh, for you more. Gotcha. Like you're very angry at your boss and you yell at them and he will do that for you. He just looks like whoever you need to do business with, basically. That'd be quite handy, it. wouldn't it? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so that you could like practice a speech on someone you need to give it to and be like, give me some pointers before I go actually to the person. But I was nervous because I'd never written something short before and it had to be under sure. my And for whatever reason, I sat down and in, it took me two days technically, but I think 
the actual writing of it. I think it was maybe like six hours and I had okay, yep. out. Was just shy of that of 5,000 word stories. Story. And so I, a friend of mine, Aiden, I, I'd heard of Keytober before, but I'd completely forgotten it existed. My friend Aiden went, I'm thinking of doing this this month and thought maybe you'd want to see it. And yeah. the list of prompts, they sent me actually three lists of prompts. So I could like choose one that I liked. And it wasn't even like a quote unquote official list. It was just lists that he had found somewhere. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> see if this was a fluke because like the people who have read the doppelganger story have said like this is like one of the best pieces you've done like hey i liked your ah, book nice this this was real real good i'm like you know, i'm gonna try some more shorts and see see how it goes uh, it was a learning experience like in terms of what i can actually take like doing that much work in a month i i definitely burnt out yeah yeah which is why the right yeah which is why the prompt didn't happen or didn't i didn't finish all of them i i would like at some point to release another collection including some stories that didn't get to one that i'm releasing soon as well as maybe some stories with some of the characters that i only did like one story about i i decided when i was working on these that I was going to figure out, okay, who, who are the characters? I don't care about anything else. Who are the people that I'm writing about? What is right. their story? Sure. And so like Camille and Rachel, they're in a couple of stories. The first one is called Power Couple because I realized as I was writing this that Camille is a best-selling mystery author and ah. Rachel is an award-winning actress. Mm. And it's not a huge part of their story, but it gives them some flavor and yes. it gives people who these people may be with there's a another story uh that is a woman who's actually it's a, it's a two-parter there's a woman who uh she's dealing with some some body issues due to to having had breast cancer and and, mm. and she has a friend who runs they call it only stands basically only fans but it's not okay um, who his his channel on OnlyFans is he he himself has a lisp and mm. he's learned to own that and to love that despite the fact that he'd been teased for it growing up. Sure. So he and all the women who perform with him on his channel, they're women who have had body issues or have had like issues with um, various things that have made them have made someone in the past called unsexy who have mm. owned themselves owned their bodies and have discovered that they are actually wicked sexy right. and they've gone hey i've seen your channel can i can i join can i do this and he's been trying to get this other character to to, to do it he's like look i'm not pushy it's not what i'm trying to do but i think you have a lot of fun with this like we're best friends i think we'd be having a good time and she finally does the second story is her going you know what fuck it i'm gonna do this and and sort of like rediscovering her sexuality and and her her sexiness so as i was i was cleaning up with these i was like i need the people first i need to know like Mm -hmm. with what is it that they like because these stories aren't these gorgeous people in gorgeous situations doing crazy stuff it's ordinary people having extraordinary sex like that was what i wanted 
And so some of these people are, they're flabby or they're short or they have small dicks or they have, you know, something that society goes, well, I don't want to read that or I don't want to watch that. You know, I kind of like that as a title. Would you ever think of that? I kind of like that as ordinary people having extraordinary sex. Maybe that'll be the, that'll be the, that is actually in the blurb on the back. Okay. Okay. I like it. (laughs) Because I, I do this with a lot of, of the the clients, especially in Orchid and the Lion, I did that kind of in uh, in Lion and the Dahlia, which I'm still working on. Right. So Penny from from the first novel, who ends up being part of this long term polycule in the series, he is mm, okay. Mid, he's in his mid fifties. Um, he's been a client of Dorian's for years. They've been absolutely in love with each other, and they won't tell each other. And it's not oh, until okay. Orchid and the Lion that they go, oh crap. Oh no! <laughs> so, he, he, like he's described as being broad and barrel-chested. He's got a belly. He's got gray hair, and readers adore him. He is oh, nice. One of the breakaway favorite characters because he's so real. Because he's 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 basically the cinnamon roll character. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. I to protect this character, and mm-hmm. I went want more of that. I want more people going, oh my gosh, I love this person who is not your typical, like the typical character that you'd read about in erotica, not the typical person that you would see in porn. Right. I wanted them. This person has absolutely no like conventional attractiveness to them. And mm-hmm. yeah, they're hot as fuck. Right. <laughs> I think that's awesome. And so when I when I did these stories, I went, we're we're gonna continue that. Like we're going to have someone who's a really short guy, or we're going to have someone who, um, like, they don't all feel self-conscious. And, and that's not like all of them have some sort of, like, thing that society looks at and goes, that's a flaw. They're right. still, like, people. So I have, I have a, a story that started out. It was just going to be a one-time story, which is a guy who, he's, Technically straight, but he loves going to glory holes. Like he, okay. he is the guy behind the wall. Um, sure, and he—he's not really straight. He—he's—he's he's married to a woman, though. Okay, um, she's enthusiastic. He encourages this. She absolutely loves it. And I wasn't going to do a second story, but I went. No, 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 no. I want the two of them. I want to know about the two. <laughs> right. I know. So she's she's out of town, and he's home alone, and they're they're doing phone sex which I didn't know if I was going to be able to do well. Right. But I think it worked out. People who have read it have said they actually were like, sorry. But there's just these two middle-aged people who are like, we're wicked horny for each other and we love each other. <laughs> and like, this is this is how we do. Like, we have this fantastic sex life. Awesome. Um, see so much product fiction. And it's like, here's the billionaire. And he's wicked handsome. And like, here's the very gorgeous, like, supermodel. And right. I get together, and I'm like, "Well, oh, great! I could go watch a movie on that." Like, right? Something new. I want something that I haven't seen before. Yeah, so true. So true. I think that's great. I think that using real people and people who are seen as maybe flawed—that's perfect. People are going to really relate to that and that kind of content. I think. I'm hoping. I mean, the, the stories do get kind of intense, um, but some of them are really just like, "This is." me and my partner and we're just doing what we do like it's not it's not all super kinky although right. that is i have fun challenging myself to write stories like that to see like 
can I write the raunchiest, kinkiest thing ever and still right. have people that can go, oh my God, that was so sweet. No, exactly. See, that's a, that's a great talent. If you can be super raunchy and sweet at the same time, that's like, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> We've talked about this before, about the perception that people have of mm-hmm. erotica and of, and of porn and of anything like that, where like, you even mention it to a certain type of person and they go, oh, yes. it's so misogynistic and it's so, it's right. so bad, awful. And I'm like, it can be super empowering for one thing and for another, like, even if you're doing the most depraved stuff in the entire universe, like, it can still be a loving, romantic, wholesome, bonding type of, of situation, depending yes. on what you're doing it. It's, people who are choosing consensually to beat each other with tennis rackets. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I think that's, that's, some people do have that opinion. They think, oh, if you're doing that, then you're not going to have that, that special bond. People are just ignorant. I mean, they just really are. They are. It's, it's, I mean, we've seen, even since the last time I talked to you, We've seen some really scary stuff happen in the U.S. because mm-hmm. opinions like that, not just about yes, everything. We don't have to rehash everything we talked about last time, but like <laughs> the insidiousness of purity culture is yes. still growing even more. And, and yeah. we just just had the 2022 election. Yep, I'm, I'm I'm heartened because a lot of people who I was worried were going to win did not. Yeah. However, a couple of the big ones did, and one of them is looking for a presidential run. Mm. Terrifies me. Um, yeah. It's 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 a weird time to live in, and I I hope that just like what happened with like with with gay people until the last like ten fifteen years, like right, you were dealing with the same things. Like they were. Yes, absolutely. You know. And people who are trying to legislate us out of existence. Right. It's being gay and being trans, like I I'm getting that double win of like I'm right. getting it. And now I'm here again and I don't want to do this anymore. No, um, I get that. Yeah. But we we did come out the other side and now like being gay is pretty freaking normal for most people. They're it like, is, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's I'm I'm I'd written an article a while back for my friend Jesse Pressgraves. He runs a rookie blog and he had done Pride last year. He had had a bunch of guest posters. Okay. And, oh, writing erotica and specifically queer erotica is an act of revolution. Mm-hmm. Because you're actively, whether you're writing queer or cis or whatever it is, you're still writing something that society is deeming as quote unquote wrong. And if right. you're doing it with your whole heart, and you're doing it in a way that, like, you're, you're you're doing it on purpose. You're not just going, oh, I want to write something, and so we'll write this. It's I'm specifically sitting down. You do this, and I have a reason, and I have a message, even if it's just sex is great and K. Like you're you're actively doing something to push back against the encroachment of that's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. It it's I think part of why erotica writers get such a bad rep is because people see this and they go. Oh no, discomfort. Oh no, I am not comfortable with this. And it's like, then don't read it. Don't read it. And and don't 
don't freak out when other people do. I don't right. know. I play Westerns most of the time, but I'm not going to the library and pulling every single one of them off the shelf. Right, like, exactly. It, it's to each their own, unless they're hurting something. And yeah, to non- each their own. Hurting something. <laughs> yes, you know. I think a lot of people do that. They're like, they, they see something, they're just like scared or they're so taken aback that it's just, they have this immediate a, aversion or opinion. Like, yeah, but they don't have to read it. You don't have to read it. Why can't you just let it be? It's a visceral reaction. Like, they, especially yes. because they've been raised in this mindset. Like, it doesn't come out of nowhere. And it, right. it doesn't even have to be their parents because I know of situations where, like, Younger people whose parents are very open-minded, very liberal or leftist, or like people whose parents were like wicked hippies, mm-hmm. they end up being more conservative about some things. Some of it might be that sort of active rebellion of, well, mom and dad think this is cool, and so I'm going to not. But I think some of it, too, is that you have these very powerful messages that yeah. are being shared on social media. I mean, if we think about like the effect that some of these quote unquote men's rights activists have had on young men and young boys. There right. are teachers who have had to to basically get kids either removed from their classrooms permanently or the teachers have left the school because they're getting sexual harassment, they're being told they're lesser, they're being told they need to obey like a twelve year old kid right. because they're getting messages from these guys who are on tiktok or youtube or whatever who are spreading that idea and it's it's we're more online now than we've ever been ever yes yes some ways that's great like i have created a great community family even of people that i've never met in real life right but there's also this especially when it comes to people whose minds are young and malleable there's this this danger of of perpetuating these these horrible horrible mindsets and worldviews, and it's it's there's there's people who are working against that. Yeah, but yeah. we're getting this pushback of of like, oh, you can't do that. Like you can't tell people minded. Why why not? Like you're telling people they can't mind it. Right. I'm just providing an alternative, and like, and I I it just it frustrates me to no end. We still have to have this this discussion. Like a lot of it is parents don't want to regulate what their kids are consuming. Right. They don't want to regulate what they themselves are seeing. Because right. they wouldn't even know it existed if they just blocked certain terms, blocked certain websites, or right. like restricted their own like people will look at something just to be angry. Right. Just to themselves that, oh, I don't like this thing, but I'm gonna click on it anyway. Right. And then they get out, and it's like you did that to yourself. This is that meme of the guy on the bicycle, and he sticks a stick in between his spokes, and he falls off his bicycle, and then he wonders why he's fallen off his bicycle. Right. That's what you just did. You right. stuck. <laughs> it's it's. I don't I don't know if it'll get better anytime soon. I'm I'm hopeful that it'll get better at some point. But in the meantime, we have this constant fight of both legislative and culture-wise of of trying to make sure that we don't slide back so that we're like 
back in the 1950s. Right. Was only good for literally one type of person, and that's a white system male. Right, exactly. Even them, even some of them, it's before. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, anyway, so I, I, I just, um, my, my goal is, is as a writer, is way to write for myself. Like these are the stories that I want to read, and they're stories that I know other people want to read. Right. Also, I, I want to provide a, a counterweight almost to some of the stuff that's already been published where you know because I think we talked about this last time yeah you know they never had any experience you know that they didn't do any research and they're just regurgitating what they've already seen from other right. writers mm-hmm. that pushes these oh it's abuse narratives or that pushes these oh it's misogynistic narratives. yeah it can be if right. you're doing it wrong. <laughs> right <laughs> Anything can suck if you're doing it. That's so true. <laughs> so, in, in, oh no, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was just yawning. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you feel like your writing is going to be impactful in positive ways? You were just talking about wanting to write on the topics that you're writing on. I think it really is. And I think that just the existence of it, like you said, is, is so beneficial. Um, does it, how does it feel to you when you, when you write something that, you know, maybe isn't out there or something that's really important to you and then you hit the sending it out into the world? How does that make you feel? And what does it make you feel like, yay, I did something that no one else has done or, you know, against this purity culture? What goes through your mind? terrifying i be honest like yeah i first thing i ever published was a novel i had never not even in like a newspaper or like an anthology and nothing i i had nothing published and then i had a whole book and not only was it a book it was the beginning of a series and then people read it and people liked it and i went oh, oh no <laughs> and now this was the orchid and the lion right that's what you're talking about yeah, yeah. Okay. this was the, the first book yeah I, and originally it was going to be a trilogy and then there were going to be two like follow-up novels. Okay. Working on the second book, I realized I made too big of a story in book two. And so oh. now I have to break. So it's going to be, it's going to be four books instead of three. Um, okay. But so I, it, it is very scary because I like, guess I'm, I'm putting out this short story collection this coming week. I'm actually, I think this is actually airing. The day that it comes out. Right. The 19th of November. 19th, right? Yes. 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 Um, and I, the nice thing with this is that people had seen it already. have been available on Patreon. Mm-hmm. But there's still so many people who have not. Right. And I, with, with Orchid and the Lion, I had my critique partner look at it. And I had four five, six, maybe betas that, that gave feedback on it. But that was it. There were seven people in the entire universe other than me. <laughs> right. And I had no idea, no idea how it was going to go. And you you asked, like, do I think it'll have a positive impact or do I want it to have a positive impact? I, within about a month or two of the book being out, I was getting DMs from people on Twitter. People were replying to, to things that I had tweeted to say, I just read your book. I need to tell you this, or I just read your book and I need to tell you that. 
And it was people who who were able to have honest conversations with themselves about their own sexuality or their own gender, or people who read it and went, you know what, society had always told me that like I'm not the kind of person that could be sexy and dominant, but you right. know what? I'm gonna go for it. Or what I've been curious about this particular sex act, or I've been curious about changing my pronouns, or I've been, you know, and it there were even people who like it had nothing to do with gender or sexuality. It was just I liked seeing a book where people like me were sexy. And I've had yes. a lot of trans men and trans masks tell me, I'm going to get a little bit emotional, sorry. I've had a lot of, of, of trans men and trans masks tell me that Leif as a character was everything they needed and didn't know they needed. And not everyone is is feeling that way, but the ones that have messaged me, it's, it's been at least a dozen people or more who have said, I finally see me as I am, the non-operative trans man, I see me being desired. I see me being loved. I see me being sexy. I've never seen that before. And they go like, I can't thank you enough for that. And of course, me, especially at the beginning, I was very bad at taking compliments. I joke. Mm. <laughs> I, yeah. actually, I would hide in my shirt. Like, this is a true story. It's <laughs> so moving, story. though. I mean, how moving is that to hear not only did they love your book, that it, like, impacted them, like, their identity and their ability to communicate that to the world. I mean, that's huge. I cried a I lot. Bet. I bet. I bet. The software makes it very hard. Not everybody is like, but there are a lot of guys that go on tea and they can finally cry for the first time in their life. Mm. Me, it's... I used to cry at like everything. And now I have this little, <laughs> I sob. I sob when people tell me things like that because oh, yeah. I grew up, when I grew up, I didn't even know that trans men were a thing until I was in college. Like my senior year of college was the first time I ever knew that that was even a thing. Right. And I had people that I went to high school with go, but after I, they went, you know, it's funny. You said this thing. I never knew what you meant by it. And now I do. Or, you know, you said something like this before and I didn't I didn't know what to say because I didn't know there was anything that could be done. And to have people, adults obviously, do not read this if you are a cop, but to have people who either they, they weren't score or they've been worried about it or haven't been able to be open. And, and I never tell, I, I tell people like, do not ever come out unless you feel safe. Yeah. But if you can come out to someone, someone that you trust, and that's what some of these people have been able to do. But um, like I, 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 the idea that someone, me in college, could have even just a few years ahead of time before I, I found out, like, oh, this is what this is who I am. Yeah, to have found that a little bit earlier, and also to have seen it positively. Like, yes, is funny. He is sexy. He is a sarcastic, stubborn brat. He's a whole <laughs> person. And he's not what most, especially cishet writers, are writing about trans guys. We're either not there, or we are completely devoid of any sexuality at all, or we're tragedies, or we're trauma, or we're... And and Rafe has trauma. All these characters have trauma. Spoiler alert, I gave them a lot of mine, Mm -hmm. which is what writers often do. We go you, you character there, you're going to have my daddy issues or you're going to have my this or that. Um, right. But for, for someone like me at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, 
or even older because it's never too late to transition like i know people who aren't realizing this is a thing until their 40s mm. you see someone who is happy and healthy and and successful even though he's also a disaster he also has has you know dark stuff in his past but to be well-rounded and not just yeah. oh you're there to fill like a marginalized character quota or right i i know that people like you exist it's oh you're a human being that actually has like lots of feelings and i've been i've been working on this is actually this is going back to your question about putting things out in the world i decided to work on what i'm calling the leaf serial um because i'm putting this out through kindle bella which is serialized writing oh and yes mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's i I'm not entirely happy with the title right now. It's the Orchid's Lion. Oh, yeah, I saw that. The Orchid's Lion. Yeah, I really want to change the title. I just don't know to what. But it was Leif's version of what happened in The Orchid and the Lion. But as I I wrote it, this is actually like a completely different story. And I'm going to, once it's done, I'm going to put it into book form. And I think a lot of the stuff that happens between it and Dorian isn't even going to be in that book. Because it already Ah. is. In book one, I go and read it there. But I, because I'm putting this out, it's been a while since I've updated because I've been moving, but I've been putting episodes out like between every four to six days. Oh, wow. That's frequent. (laughs) It is. Like I told you, I I write fast. I'm very prolific. It doesn't have (laughs) a great mental health. However, this is what I do for a living. It it was going out so soon, like so not so soon, but so often. I think I've sort of sensitized myself a little bit to that feeling of, oh my God, I'm publishing something. Right. Good, because it meant that when I wrote these stories for, for King Tober, it wasn't even a question in my mind that I was going to put them into a collection and publish them. Mm, and it's, yep. I think part of it is like I self pub. I do want to itself traditionally publish something. It'll probably be very different from what I'm writing now. Okay. And it'll probably be under a pen name. And I want to kind of keep those separate. Um, sure. Still clear as hell, but be a little bit less. And now they do this really weird thing you've never heard of before. More of like, I might even, oh my gosh, gasp. I might even write a story without sex in it. Who knows? <laughs> um, but so, like, because I self publish, I have a little bit more freedom to go, this is what I want to put out. This is what I want to. Yes. Absolutely. It, it helps a little bit with that. Oh my God, this is a terrifying kind of feeling, especially knowing that people have like the first book, but they are looking forward to more stuff from me. It's still, though, you, there's this moment of, oh God, this is going to go out. This is going to get published. People are going to read this. Um, <laughs> but it's it's been nice to to do the Patreon stuff because I've got the yeah. addition Kingtober posts. Like I, I, I write. Quite a bit on Patreon. Some of it's articles on writing, some of it's short stories, some of it's just posting like here's cut content from like the first book, or here's stuff that didn't fit in the second book and I can't really put anywhere else. I've been able to like re- like regularly release content and, yeah. and have and have people comment on it. So that's been helpful too. And so like for for people who are, especially if you haven't put anything not publish anything if you're sitting there and you're going oh my gosh this is terrifying i don't know if i can push that button right once you do 
it's out of your hands. Like, it you is. Still have you're self-published. You still have to market. You mm-hmm. still there. You still have to go hey, read my book. But the actual book itself is now out of your hands. It is now their people, whether they're going to read it and review it. Right. And if you would, when I published Orchid, because I that was over a year ago now. In fact, a year and a month exactly. Today is the twelfth. If you had asked me way back then what I thought was going on with it, I would go. All right, so like 12 people pre-ordered it. They'll probably read it. Maybe another like 10 or so. And maybe I'll get like three reviews. And like one right. of them will be a star and one will be a three. Like I have this idea in my head of how things are going to work. Right. Now, over a year later, I look back and this isn't bragging. This is absolute shock and all. Like I am floored and grateful every day. Yes. Ooh, almost 700 copies. But most mm-hmm. of them are this is going back up. I had my book on Amazon for free for six days. So like 400 of those were free copies. I did not. Oh, sure. Them. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I did. So quick aside, I did hit the free bestseller list for five. Nice. Of those. It was number one for five out of six days. Awesome. You don't get the little banner. You don't? You don't? Well, no, I never got a bestseller banner. Is it because it was free? Is that why they won't let you? Yep. Yeah. Uh. Which it is. I think that's ridiculous. That's so, so frustrating. Like, People want it. They want it. Why does it matter? Yeah. I legitimately sold the most number of copies of a free, of, of that genre of book. Like, mm. so, um, but so, you know, I, I've had on, on Goodreads and on Amazon, I've gotten about 75 ratings, both almost 40 reviews. Nice. That's awesome. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful to have that kind of response. Absolutely. It's it's overwhelmingly positive, which is the wildest part. Like I get a couple like one star or two star reviews here or there. It's Mm -hmm. overwhelmingly five star. And the thing is that there are, I still go back and I look because I'm I'm rereading first book as i'm doing this serial oh yes mm-hmm. yeah you just have to right there was a mistake there oh how did i not catch this or, oh, oh i know well, crazy I, isn't it <laughs> it is crazy but people it's minimal stuff people are willing to overlook it if your book is riddled with errors and spelling and grammar and 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 like your characters are inconsistent that's one thing but right. if you're just like if you're if you've got it admitted and if you have a beta read, and if you've got, you know, if you've had people critiquing you on it, you think you're ready to do it, just push it on. Do it. Yes, exactly. And you can update the file. Like if you find, that's, a, that's the beauty of self-publishing. If you find something spelled like, you know, wrong way, like say you're using the word shutters or, you know, and then you use, you meant the D's, but you use the T's, you know, you can change that. <laughs> It's, it's, I actually did a, a second edition of the paperback. So when I got okay. it, I realized there were some things. Like I read through it. I realized there were some things and I went, oh no, okay, we're taking this down and we're putting it back up with another copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which had, I mean, this is, this is people, people shit a lot on self published authors. Mm-hmm. And I think some of it is that there are so many of us. And some of us are writing yeah, great stuff because. Right. You have to be constantly publishing if you want to make any sort of headway. Right. And so people are like, I just wrote this in my sleep. I'm just going to publish it and we'll see how it goes. 
Right. Or they, they, my, my biggest thing really is that writing is not a solitary thing. Right. It's not. My, Um, my writing process includes, I write a book, first draft, first draft. Yep. Then I have it alpha read. Then I have it critiqued by my critique partner. Then I read you everything. Then I have what I've just redone, beta read. Mm -hmm. There are editors, there are sensitivity readers. There are people that you just want them to look at it who may not have any idea of what's going on. You just want them to look at a scene outside of, of what they understand and go, if you read this, would you hate it? Like People go, oh no, I'm a writer. I'm alone in my room. I'm tippy-tippy typing and no one else can see it until I publish it and that's, that's it. <laughs> no. He is good. I, if I had done... If I had said, all right, I have the first draft of Lion and the Dahlia finished. I'm just going to edit it and publish it. Oh, my God. I would have to apologize to all of you for how bad it would be. This, right. This itself is not terrible. It's just that, A, I shoved two. I joke that it's two books dressed up in a trench coat. Mm-hmm. Two stories for one book, number one. So it's this, the first draft was 170,000 words. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Like, I knew I was going to have to cut these down, and I knew I was going to have to fix things. Right. I didn't want it to be that long, but I'd also been working on that draft since last year's Nano Revo. I, oh. I just want to be done with this because I had written like seven or eight or nine different first period attempts. Um, okay. So there was that. There was that part, but there was also like my first draft love interests tend to be kind of blocked. Mm. It happened with late, happened with the, what was going to be the love interest in the second book, but will now be the love interest in the third book. Because I tend to be using that character, that love interest, as a way to help shape the main character. Oh, but then okay. I have to back when I do like second drafts, and I have to flush that character. I have to to give them more personality. And mm. Lord, my critique partner is very good at helping me do that. We we call it late syndrome. <laughs> late syndrome, because there's a really great character hiding underneath all of that like blah stuff that's just waiting to come out but i have to finish that first draft sure. before i can figure out who that character is and so like if you're going i'm just going to write a book and i'm going to put it out there and i'm not going to let anybody see it you're doing yourself a disservice absolutely you're, you're not letting people go hey this part is amazing please keep this but this right. part's when it needs to go and it's idea that people don't want to kill their darlings they have mm. this stuff that they really like. Right. They want to keep it in there. Right. Laura calls it Patreon content. My darlings are Patreon. It's stuff that I can cut and then make my patrons. Right. The rest of the world is not. Yeah. Happen. Yeah. yeah. You can't be the only one that reads it before you publish it. That's what I mean. Yes, you do need to move forward and you need to get it out there. But yeah, don't definitely. That's a mistake just to do it yourself and then pop it out. And there are. Makes me cringe. <laughs> it does. It really does. There are a lot of, sorry, a lot of um, Discord servers out there that I've seen. There are a lot of places on like Facebook and, and other their social media sites where you can find critique partners. Because that's yes. one thing I get a question about a lot is, okay, do I even find these people? And like put an open call out on Twitter. I actually found several of my beta readers because of, um, Oh, that's sorry. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, where where do you get like beta readers and where did you find your critique partner? When I had been posting like little snippets 
of my first draft of, of Orchid on Twitter. And so by the time I was ready to ask, like, who, who wants to pay to read this for me, there are several people who jumped at the opportunity. Nice. People are, writers are scared. They're nervous to put snippets out there. Part of it is, I don't trust people to not steal it, or, like, if I want to traditionally publish this, like, I can only have a certain amount. Um, my book that's been, like, previously published, the thing is you can delete that stuff. Right. I mean, like, you, you don't have to keep it up. And also, people are probably not going to steal your idea. Or what? I'm sorry? Sorry, people are not are probably not going to steal your idea. Like, especially, right. No. right. Like, if you're a very small account. But I will say that, like, there have been, there have been situations where, like, people have noticed, oh, hey, this is almost word for word what I wrote, and now it's in your, like, AO3 fanfic or whatever. <laughs> but you have, there's recourse for that. It's not easy. But yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, um, if you are in any, like, writing community or, or um, just writer or author Discord servers, or if you look for, like, Facebook groups for the genre that you are in, or... Like there's there's a Reddit even like I know that there are places on Reddit where you can find people willing to yes. stuff and tell you like this is good this sucks and to be honest like there's there's a way to do beta reading where you the author are still kind of in control of what's going on because you can ask them questions I had a list of fourteen questions for my alpha readers for book two some of them were things that I wanted to know some of them were things that my critique partner wanted to know okay what works what does not would you like to see more about? What would you like to see less about? What made you laugh? What made you annoyed? Um, like, are there things that, like, are there plot lines that you felt didn't resolve? Are there any, like, plot holes that I didn't see? You know, and, and so that way, like, it's not just beta readers going, oh, this is great, and not giving you any feedback. I had people, like, actually send me, like, an email answering each of my questions. Oh, um, Sure or at least the ones that they had an opinion on. And it, it shaped a lot of what I decided to do once my critique partner had read most of Laura did not get through all 170,000 words of book of book two's first draft. Mm. They got to a certain point and they went, I can't anymore. I need to fix this. You need to go back and fix like, these things and then bring it back to me, which is absolutely fair. And I do not blame her. But they, um, they they took a lot of what my alpha readers said into consideration like as they were giving their critique. And I took all of that information into consideration as I was starting to to rethink what I was going to do with the second book. I'm still not done with it. Part of it was this this book that I'm putting out on the 19th. The Kingtober stuff kind of took over my life, which is fine. <laughs> I'm going to wait until Nano anyways to get back into rewriting book two. But it, it, the, the beta process for this, this book that I'm putting out this week was basically the Patreon stuff. Like, oh, sure. Who is yeah. a writer on a Patreon? Um, your patrons, especially if you have a Discord server, because that's what I did. I oh, sure. And it, I have to give a shout out because it is literally the sweetest, most wholesome, like horniest, like most supportive place I've ever been on the internet. Everybody <laughs> really? that's in there, yeah, everybody that's in there gets along really, really well. It, nice. If people have problems with each other, like we talk it out. We don't mm. start yelling at each other and talking past each other. 
And like if someone's having a really bad day, they're like, oh, tell me about it. Or here's pictures of my cat. Or it's amazing and I love it. But those those friends will be able to tell you like, hey, I read this thing that you put out the other day. I liked it. However, this, this, this. Or no, this is really, really good. And can I suggest adding this in? I think it would make a really great addition. But it's it's about being willing to take criticism and uh, being able to take the compliments. And exactly. both of those are very hard. They're super, super hard, both of them. They are. They are. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. They are hard. To, it is hard to take both, but you need to learn to do it. And you need to, you know, assimilate it, you know, incorporate it into what you're doing. You're going to, you're always going to get people that aren't going to like you. That's one thing, too, that I've gotten used to. There's going to be people who love you and there's going to be people who don't like you. And that's never going to stop. I think, too, is that, like, if it's a job quote-unquote normal job like you're a teacher or you're a mm-hmm. banker or you're whatever like job critique is part of the process and you yes. accept so you like it's not yes but if it's something like art i think a lot of people myself included because for the longest time i never let anybody read my stuff Mar- Mar- right. was the first to ever read basically anything i had written in its entirety and that was because we were critiquing each other's work mm. and I I think a lot of it has to do with like this is stuff that comes from our soul. Pure right. writing, so personal, yeah. And like, even though none of my characters are exactly me, although Lathe is, I will admit this: Lathe is not a self-insert. He's basically like, what would I be if I were actually a cool individual who had <laughs> some of my life together? But like, these characters are not really me, but they do have pieces of me. And I've yeah, my, on Twitter, yes. Ab- uh-huh. absolutely. I've talked on Twitter before about like Dorian has these parts of me and like has these parts of me and, and yep. even like minor characters like they because it helps to flesh them out. You yes. write what you know and you're like, well, you know what, Dorian, Dorian's big flaw is this, or Peter is an absolute slob, and I often struggle with that because of my ADHD or whatever. And and so when somebody comes back to you and says, oh, I didn't like this part, you right. internal. And that's not what they mean because they don't know. Right. They don't know you put that particular piece or that you did that particular thing because it's something that you know. They're just reading a book and I didn't enjoy this part. And I just wanted to let you know. And and I have had people say, look, I love the book, except this. And right. I think because I already had experience with my critique partner who is very sweet and wonderful, one of my best friends, but also very brutal with her critiques and needs to be because I'm lost mm-hmm. in my thoughts. Right. By the time people went, I liked it except for this one part. I go, you know what's fair? Like that's absolutely your prerogative. Yes. Like that's gonna make you like it. And and they're like, I'll absolutely read the rest of the books. I I'm really looking forward to them. I just that part bugged me. Or or this part was kind of boring or like I felt this happened too quickly. And it helps me as a writer go, okay, how do I not do that in the next book? And it's not that I'm trying to cater to every reader ever, especially if I'm hearing something over and over again. Yeah, yeah. No, that particular piece of it, something needs to change. There needs to be right. something that you And so it's very valuable. And people are always like, reviews are for readers and not for writers. They are 100%. However, I still read the reviews and go, yes. okay, what is it that like taking away from this particular review or what is it that people are saying they like so that I can keep doing them? Because it's not just about the critiquing part. It's the praise, too. And you go, right. 
people really enjoy seeing XYZ, I'll make sure that I put that in somewhere where that those themes continue to, to show up in my work because people want to see. Them. So it's 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 a process and it's willing to be open and willing to be honest with yourself and being willing to kill your darlings, which if Loren listens to this episode, they will start laughing hysterically because they've been trying <laughs> to get me for over a year. <laughs> They were like, I'm so proud that you've been killing things off over like 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 the course of the last couple of months. But it's big things too. It's stuff that I like I've had to rework certain pieces of plot and certain pieces of character development because something that I clung so desperately to really sure. wasn't anything. So that's that's the whole thing with killing your darlings. It's it's not that it's bad. Whatever it is that you're taking out of the book is that it didn't actually fit what you were trying to do or you had to rewrite the whole book in order to keep it. Like when you start doing things like that, this is why I yeah. put out book too, is that I was clinging desperately to some things. And some of them are gone forever. Some of them aren't going to be, they're going to be in book three. There's a whole okay. romance plot that's going to be in the third book. No longer fits in book two, but I kept trying to keep it. Finally, I went, great. Nope. Nope. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know we do need to keep a discerning ear when we are listening to reviews or reading reviews too because sometimes just if somebody doesn't part you can't write you're not you're never going to write to please everyone it's, it's interesting seeing the people who claim most about how people aren't reading their work or they're not getting good reviews or whatever it's interesting to see them also be the same people who say things like, well, I don't, I don't need beta readers or I don't need an editor. Right. Yep. <laughs> How do you grow? Right. Like, you I'm a better writer if you're not listening to other people, especially people who are your audience or people yes. who professionally help people write better. Yeah. Yeah. How do you grow? I mean, if you're not having anybody tell you anything about it, how would you grow? You wouldn't. You would just still keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> I, I freelance at it, and I just finished working on a novel or editing a novel for a repeat client. Okay. And their first book was very good, and I really, really enjoyed it. The second book was phenomenal. Mm. I loved it so much, and I could tell that, that they had grown just in the span of that short of an amount of time as a writer. Nice. Wicked proud, and it wasn't just stuff that I had done, but I could tell that there were things that I had said from before that they really took to heart, and that like they had shown it to other people. So I know that that mm, made a sure, it. sure, and it it made a huge difference between now and the first thing that they ever published. Right, and I think that comes back to like, what do you what do you say to people who who want to publish and are scared to let let the first book suck. It doesn't have to be terrible. Please do not publish something terrible just to get it out there. Right. But let it be less than what you expected it to be. Because I know some people, they work and work and work at the same book for like 15 years and it never goes up. It never gets published. They never achieve that dream. Right. If you're willing to go, all right, I'm going to deal with some one-star reviews. I'm going to deal with some bad critique. I'm going to deal with people going, oh, this needs to be better so that I can learn from that. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that, and especially if you can find an editor and and things like that that will mitigate some of that, because authors are not necessarily good at grammar and punctuation. 
Right. Like at all. We yeah, I wouldn't. I need an editor. I admit that completely. I use an editor and I would never not use an editor because I need another a set of eyes, you know? I, I will be trying to find an editor. I have one that I want to work with, but I more of a paying for it part. Right. That, that's the issue for a lot of writers because I did, I self-edited my first book and I'm still finding things. And it's not big yeah. things for the story, but it's me as someone who edits and teaches grammar and punctuation right who has learned better how to how to develop a story i'm seeing things and going oh man i wish i wish i had thought that beforehand and that's i need to do this i can do it fine for other people but when you read your own own... (laughs) yeah because it's in your head you know your story's in your head so you might just completely overlook something when you're reading because it's in your head you know or it's just you're just skating through it so quick you don't notice that error and it's so minor but I've done the same thing. I'm like, how did I not see that? How read this? How many times? How did I not see that? <laughs> it's human nature. I, I, admit, I admit that I've read, even after it's been published, I've read my book at least many times. Mm. I, I, the characters are ones that like bring me comfort. And so that's part of it. But it's also, I'm trying to write a series. And so I need to keep going back and figuring out like, how do I make connections to what happened in the first book and the things that I set up for the rest of the series? Yeah, it's like a big web, right? And you got to connect everything and it's got to flow. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary task to undertake, I think. We'll say if you want my biggest piece of advice for people who are just trying or like wanting to publish for something for the first time. Don't do a series. Do a standalone. Yeah. Yeah. Something that, that is is completely unrelated. If someday you want to go back and make it into a series, that is totally up to you. But right. there was an expectation set and, and there were plot lines that were set up in book one that now I have to follow through on. Yes. And I don't plan. I have the general arc. I know especially what each of the characters is going to go through. But there's right. that over fight they have but I'm still trying to figure out quite how that plays out and when I got into book two there were things that I discovered about some of these characters that I went oh well now I have to contend with that. <laughs> yep <laughs> those little danglies you got to deal with right <laughs> and, or, or or big danglies maybe they're big danglies <laughs> uh-huh. there, there's a character that he changes a lot over the course of the series and he's so so Peter is a very divisive character. There's even merchandise. There's there's Team Peter and Team Fuck You Peter merchandise on there. Ah, nice. <laughs> people are never in the middle about him. You either finish book one loving him or you finish book one wanting him to die in a fire. That's, why the <laughs> team That's Fuck great. You Peter is bunny, let's take bunny slippers on fire. That's great. Um, <laughs> but so. I knew when I finished the final draft of book one that he was going to change and grow over the course of the series. And I knew basically how. Yeah. There are things I've discovered since I've been working on book two that I went, I didn't expect this. And it's going to get right. better. I'm very excited for it. But it also complicates things a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Especially yep. because there are, there are readers who hate him with passion. So I have to be like, cognizant of how do I make this character's arc realistic and bring in people who really hate him. And one of my alpha readers was, 
He's the only person that owns a team fucking Peter t-shirt. By the time the first (laughs) act of two was finished, he went, I'm so mad at you. You made me care about him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny because I I saw the moment it happened because he was leaving comments. And I Mm. saw the moment later on throughout the book where he was mad that I was making him like feel bad for this character. He was mad at (laughs) There you go. Human and, and, and more likable. It's like, yes, this is what I need. Because Peter's going to get his own book at some point. And I need mm. people to actually buy that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of, that's fun though. I mean. <laughs> it is. Did I lose you? Hmm. Sorry, no. I was waiting for your next question. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. So if you were to choose which one that you've loved working on the most which book or which collection which one would you pick or is that like just way too hard to pick well i'm gonna leave it to the short stories that i've been putting out because i the organ of the lion will forever probably be my favorite on a i don't want to say a spiritual level but it was the first thing i ever published it was the thing that i that made me realize that i could actually be a writer because i've been trying since i was literally five years old to be a I get it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's others that were literally born with and both both are absolutely valid. Like both are and both are very talented in, in their own way. Yes. But I I um I put this thing out into the world and people went, I like this more of this. It's like that thing in Thor where he throws the mug onto the ground. He's like, another uh, where <laughs> I I finally like got that that courage to to put something out into the world and and something that was very different from yes. things before because i you say oh i'm a unique snowflake when my book is the most specialist ever but it's constantly hearing from people like i've never read anything like this before yeah like it there are elements of it that are very similar to things that have come before like they it does have comps like comp titles it's not like i made this out of a vacuum like these characters are are inspired by actual like things that have come before there are tropes that i use that have been used before sure but it was the, the story itself and the the world itself is different than what the combination before. yeah the combination of all and of it together yeah right and especially because sex workers and trans people especially and and femme cis like like gender non-conforming cis people they're not often depicted in literature or in media. Right. And when mm-hmm. they are, then as a joke or as a victim or as trauma, yeah. these are just people living their lives, having like incredible sex and fighting fascism. And people right. are like, wow, this is it. But I yeah. want to say like, it, like, there are things about it that I would absolutely change. And so yeah. while it's sure, sure. on that level, I'm honestly going to say, I think my favorite is, is that doppelganger story that I had mentioned earlier. And I don't know when people are going to get a chance to read it because I don't know. So when that it's... one's going in the anthology, not in the one yes. coming out on the 19th right now. No, it's not in this one. And I, I'll pick one from this one too. I but so the, <laughs> well, the, the anthology is monthology is what it's called. And okay. it's Anna Gary uh, helped put this together. Uh, she's an absolute treasure. I adore her. And I adore the people that I'm, that, that I'm Put stories in here. Uh, Des Aster is in there. Dewey Hargrave, Catherine. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name, and I'm so sorry, Catherine. 
but Catherine Rooney. Mm, okay. Oh, she wrote Gloria. I'm so sorry. I know her by her Twitter handle. So there's there's people that if you've been in the writing community or and the writing community has problems, let's not kid ourselves. But right. if you've been like in pockets of what is considered the writing community or writing Twitter, there are names mm-hmm. that you're recognize and and the stories that i've seen are wicked exciting but this particular story the the monthology story it's called face to face and what i love about it is number one it was the first short story i ever wrote mm, so okay proves to me that i do this but it's a very visceral story of of someone who is marginalized by society because doppelgangers in this city because of something that happened historically they are basically second-class citizens. And okay. I'm trying to do what he needs to in order to survive because he's too stubborn not to. Mm-hmm. And he finds, like, over the course of the story, this this particular client that comes to him offers him an opportunity for, for a new life, for, for something to change and for them to fix what had happened, uh, or at least fix what's happening now. And it's the story is is funny and, like, a it's funny period but there's some dark humor in it story itself is is very dark and it's it's a big departure from what i'd written before even though it's still very similar some of the themes and and some of the character types are are similar i i just i'm really looking forward to people reading that one and out of the ones from uh between desire and satisfaction i'm going to choose it's called Laundry Day. And it's the reason I'm picking this one. All of them are great. It's basically like asking me to pick my child, my favorite child. <laughs> right. <laughs> Laundry Day was the first time that I went, I'm going to completely not take myself seriously at all. She, she said the prompt was accidental stimulation. Okay. And my went, I want Monty Python esque levels of ridiculousness in this story. <laughs> a guy named Nate, he's he's kind of nearing 30 and he's been challenging himself every year to do No Nut November. Okay. And gone for like a good couple of weeks. He's been very good this year. When he goes downstairs to do laundry and he is dying. He's dying to get off. <laughs> um, right. His his elderly neighbor, Mrs. Uh, her name's Dean. Um, is his elder Patterson, Mrs. Patterson, his elderly neighbor comes down to do laundry and she absolutely knows what she's doing, but he thinks that she's doing it on accident. Mm-hmm. And she's basically seducing him. And there is actually a follow-up <laughs> story to to this one called Laundry Night. And I had a third story that I was gonna write about the two of them that might go in future anthology. Nice. Um, but the the just absurdity of this very like in control of herself, like I'm feeling myself, older woman, torturing this this poor young man who's just like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose, and you find me right. It's very funny, and and the two of them, <laughs> they had just such good chemistry that I could not leave them alone. I had to at least write one more. Right. Um, it was it was a lot of fun, especially because I love when. I love when older people are depicted as being still on their game. Like yes. I, I have a, a friend that I, I, um, that I edit for who that's, that was one of the things that she wanted to do with one of her more recent stories. 
was to to show uh, an older woman like getting her thing on because right. you don't see that. it's, oh, it's absolutely we did a taboo and there's a, a client that Leif has in book two who's this elderly woman named Eunice and it just she was one of the the characters that my my office really enjoyed because she's just this like feisty older woman who's like I know what I'm about like no one's gonna nice. tell me anything I gotta slow down so. Yes, I think that's the one that I'm going to pick. Although they are, they are all really good, and I, I really hope that people will pick up the, the collection. Oh, absolutely! We do need more stories like that. I mean, just because you're a certain age doesn't mean you stop having, you know, sexual thoughts or having your sexuality be real. I just think that's BS, and that's another thing from society we're getting. Like, oh, you're you're older. You're you're not having sex anymore. You're not sexual because you're old. Actually, it's fucking bullshit. I don't- it's had a really detrimental effect too, because like this is gonna bring people down, and I apologize. STD rate amongst elderly people has skyrocketed. Have they really? You know, I can't get pregnant anymore. I don't need to use condoms. Yeah, <laughs> and so they're they're especially nursing homes. Nursing homes are, they go get busy because people don't want to admit that it happens, and so they don't engage in sexual education. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> they still need education. Need it to happen. <laughs> need it to happen. <laughs> well, and probably when they were younger, the sex ed was even worse than it is now. So it was like just they got no education. So yeah, right. that's a lot just of messed people up. People have been married for like 35, 40, 50 years. So they don't know like the current, like, oh, this is the landscape in terms of what's out right. there. So they end up going, oh no, what happened? <laughs> it's like, well, I know, right? You, like, what? You, you can get- <laughs> You can get your thing on, like go, go get down with your bed, but put up, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't know. I was having a discussion with someone. Actually, I think the the I don't think it's gone live yet, but she was talking about that and how you know why is why is it that older people are like denied sexuality? Like you know they're not given time for say they're in a nursing home, they're not given time for a conjugal visit or you know with a spouse or a partner, like. Why why do we say that older people can't have sex anymore? That's like just disturbing. Honestly. It honestly goes back to that cultural bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It's the same bullshit pointed at a different group of people. It, it, I see people like who, who think that like your and whatever doesn't affect them, but it absolutely does in, in mm-hmm. lots of ways. And it doesn't matter if like what your sexuality, what your gender is doesn't matter if like you don't have sex at all like right. you're still it's still tied up in security culture is misogyny it's racism mm-hmm. yeah homophobia it's transphobia yeah it's, it's oppressive or it's ableist i mean because that's the other thing there's a, a story that i wrote that i was actually nervous about writing mm. it was that a one of my patreon patrons had because he had had a partner who was disabled. They okay, still have yep. a sex life. And so right. the story is called Between Fun, and it's a, about a woman and her husband, and she be paralyzed from the waist down because she okay. was hit by a ago. And I I absolutely checked in with people about, like, am I doing this correctly? Like, please help me with this. Because yes. Sensitivity readers are so important, especially oh, when you're Oh, they totally are, yes. With somebody that you're not. But I, I, I wanted, when, when he suggested this idea, I went, no, 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 this is what I want to do. Because okay. another group that is so underrepresented in 
Antarctica and not the lack of time because for people who write those stories, people who write them from their own point of view. Right. Yeah, they're not, no, it's not even erotica. It's even like this regular fiction, especially a traditionally True. published. Yes. And that's, it's, it's, it's not even just physical disabilities either. It's things like neurodivergencies and things like, yeah. like mm-hmm. And it was funny because I knew there's a character that only shows up briefly in book one, but it's going to play a bigger role in the rest of the series. And I knew immediately that that character is going to be autistic. And okay. I, at that point, did not recognize that I had autism. So mm. is, I'll do the quick version of the story. Sure. Uh, but I, I, Leif has ADHD, and that is pretty evident from the first book, but I never like explicitly said it. And I really sure. realized it in book two, especially because of his interactions with this other character, Ant, who's autistic. Well, my okay. critique partner also has autism and was reading the first draft of book two and went, wow, your, your autism, like, your, your autistic rep is really good. Like you write autism really well. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, Ant, Ant is wonderful, right? I love them. And they go, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I like Ant. Ant's great. But I'm talking about Travis. Travis mm. is a character that's been, like on the background, in, on the periphery since book one. He and Leif are very close. They're their best friends. And they're like, what do you mean, Travis? We, they go, yeah, Travis is really autistic. It's like, mm. no, no, he's not. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> And they go, okay, you did. And I was like, I just wrote them, quote, unquote, normal. I just wrote him normal. Yeah, like things that I would things that I would I would say or do. And Lauren goes, "Oh, my sweet summer child!" Literally, direct quote. Oh, my sweet summer child, I have something to tell you. <laughs> so I looked more deeply into it, and I went, "Oh, oh my God, everything makes so much more sense." <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's very authentic. Then I didn't even right? set out to do that, and it just oh, it is. But so, like, to have characters like that that share minor divergencies yes is really important and i don't see those and i don't see people representing other other marginalized identities as much because traditional publishing does not like to publish those stories and there's so much out there in terms of self and indie publishing it's often hard to find that's why i bookmark lists yeah sure when people are like hey want to read books about xyz i was like yes i do please hand right. Them over. Wait. <laughs> right yeah and i think it's good to make lists because yeah otherwise you may never find them mm-hmm. that's yeah. that is one of the reasons why i'm very frustrated and angry about what's going on with twitter right now and i'm hoping that resolves because we all need this like i know i don't know what's going to happen either it's just i don't know about other places like we've shared my links before Mm-hmm. It's just I don't use those platforms as much because I know for writers and yep. not even just writers, writers, uh, readers, book reviewers, like artists, like it's often very easy to cultivate a Twitter following and then yeah. you're okay. And that's where I find my editing class too. Like, right. I know. It's like these people yeah. when, just don't get it. How it's like going to impact. It's, this is not just a social care. thing for people. This is not just my free time. I'm going to go on Twitter. It's people's lives and careers and clients. And the thing is that I think they know they just don't care. Like yeah, they're, That they're, might be. Like, I, I hope I'm, I'm never like that. I hope I'm never one of those BS people. I just don't fucking care about other people because that's just disgusting. It's and there are people that aspire to be that. And I'm like, why? It sounds <sighs> so exhausting. No, thank you. <laughs> Water. 
Water. Yes, water's good. I should have some water too. <laughs> I think the heat in the house is dry. It's very oh. cold out here. Is it cold? 23 degrees. Mm-hmm. I'm adjusting to Nebraska weather. Yes. It's like a while. Well, it's funny because I lived in New York. It wasn't cold there. It's cold mm. this note. But when I left New York the other day, it was like 70. Okay. I get here and it's like 40 degrees lower. I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Big old change, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it, it was funny because we, the second day we, we drove and the second day we were driving, I left from Indiana and it was, it was about 70. We got mm. in around like at night and in Omaha, it was 25 degrees. Oh, okay. It was, oh my gosh, it was so cold. <laughs> Shocking, right? Right. But yeah, I, I don't understand this this notion that care about other people is weakness. What I've seen some people, especially the longer the pandemic has gone on, I've seen that that sentiment more and more. And it's absolutely pushed by people like Mr. Main Character Twitter. Mm. Because that's all they know. And and that's right. what they think is is not caring people and kind of just thinking about themselves and like I yes. would what's the point? Like what's the point in anything if you're not also connecting with other people? Like exactly. There are times that I'll put myself first, one hundred percent. But mm-hmm. out of the detriment the absolute detriment of somebody else. I'll make somebody disappointed. Like, oh I'm sorry. I need to take a day for myself. I can't do this thing that we were supposed to do. But if it was going to actually hurt somebody, their livelihood, life, spirit, absolutely never, never would I do that. And there are people who, that's their entire personality. Right. Yeah, I couldn't do it yet. I don't get it. (laughs) It's just very telling about like the way that that culture has moved since the Mm -hmm. 80s. Yeah. Where it started. Where right. a lot of this, not to say that before that it was a wonderful landscape and everybody was happy, right. but it wasn't. I mean, like, especially for people of color and especially for women, right? And, and queer people, most of us were hiding in the closet. Yes. Out. But now it's everywhere. It's like even, even anybody, it doesn't matter what your identity, it doesn't matter who you are, like, people out there who's actively do not care. I'm like, I can't with you. I can't. Like, and they think they're so cool. But it's like, you've seen over the last like couple of weeks, like how much people have been like, mocking Mr. Mr. Twitter main character. I don't even want to say his name because I don't want <laughs> I know. to be like, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Beetlejuice. Like, say his name three times. He appears and he wrecks your shit. I know, right? <laughs> It's like it's an evil. I don't know what spirit coming. I don't know. Right. You, you can't say demons' names, or else you will summon them. I know exactly. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Do not say the demons' names, especially yeah. not three times. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, as long as I think, as long as there are people who are they're willing to do that work and are willing to make up for what their people are doing, like we still have. We still have a chance that things are are not just going to like stay the same, but we'll get better. Like, right? Obviously, don't want us to regress, but I also don't want us to stagnate because there's so much we have to do in terms of everything. Like, it it there's there's a lot of fights that are still left to be won, and and 
people love to do them. So yes, um, absolutely. We always get so off topic for books. I know. I know. <laughs> There's so much to talk about, though. I know. I totally yeah, get it. Especially related, like especially my main series. Like it literally is gays in space fighting fascists. So it counts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And it's just such a, it's, yeah, I mean, I've never, never seen a book like yours either with just that one statement you just said. It's like, it's kind of mind blowing. Like, whoa, what? <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's, it's very, it's satisfying on the one hand. It's like, oh, I actually did something that was unique. But it's also, yeah. I want more, I want more people to write books like that. Because I wrote that book, it's the book that I mentioned, who I wanted mm-hmm. to read. Right. And I actually, I, there are a couple of people who are people that I personally know. And I'm, I, I don't want to say like I inspired them, but it's probably more of like we had the same idea around the same time. I've got a couple of people that I know, Maxine Jazz and uh, Lysander Arden are both uh, writing stories that are kind of similar. Okay. They're different. Uh, Lysander Arden actually just put out, um, I think it's called Lap Dance for Dystopia. She, they're putting out a couple of books in the same series. Uh, but it's uh, I'm I've not had a chance, especially because I've been moving. I've not had a chance to read it. But okay. Everything else read or edited by Lysander Arden has been just death kiss. They're one of my favorite authors, and they're, they're nice, very underrated. Uh, but I'm I'm very excited to to dive into the series because it's uh, it promises to be similar to 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 Orchid, and I am so down for that. If anybody else is out there and wants to write books about that like please let me know that you're doing it. i will read all of them yes absolutely it would be good to add more of them and more of those types of voices and just yeah it's what's needed and it does does fight against things i think it's good to have the content out there to as it needs to be you know and yeah, it's and real it's like a normal quote-unquote story where like the main character is non-binary or the main character is autistic or the main character is right. race. They're going out and doing incredible things like, hey, I'm on an adventure to save the world or right. like, hearing cancer or whatever. Like I read um, David Slayton's White Trash Warlock, hmm. which is literally one of my favorite books. I still, sorry, David, I've not read the second book. I own it. Uh, actually, I think he sent it to me to read, but it was... Hmm. Um, it's about a man who grew up gay and poor. Okay. Who he has magic and he has to like fight these eldritch horrors. And Sid David, I said to him, I was like, I've never read a book where a child like me grew up to do something extraordinary. Yeah. And he goes, No, I haven't either. And that's why I wrote it. And so right. we kind of bonded over the fact like, even poor people are not allowed in books to do right. something. Different. Like, right. It's always, oh, they were poor and now they have inherited all this money. And so now they can go do something amazing. It's, no, no, no. He still, he lives in a trailer with like his aunt or something as an yeah. adult. He goes and he does something amazing. And it was so refreshing. And the book itself is just really, really good. And I, I was, I didn't know I needed it until I read it. And that I mm. think is where people who have contacted me have kind of fallen of, right. I read this book maybe enjoy it and then I went oh my gosh this is like where has this been like I've actually right. had people say like where's this book been my whole life I was like right. I don't know here now <laughs> fantastic and it's so I mean it's gonna be so great for you to hear and what a what a gift 
You know, right. what a gift to you and a gift to the world that, you know, more people can read it and it can reach more people in such ways. I hope most writers have at least a few rabid fans. Like we all deserve yeah, it. Yeah, right. It's hard gig, especially if it's the one we're doing like for a living or we're also like having a full-time job or raising a family or both. Like right. we, especially for those of us that aren't traditionally published, like it becomes like a whole other full-time job. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, absolutely. But yeah, we've been talking always do we've been talking for quite a while we always do we have i know i was just looking at the time i'm like dang we're coming on two hours here (laughs) that's fantastic though is there anything else you want to like talk about or mention i mean we've talked about Uh, your your book coming out the 19th yes so so yes so between desire and satisfaction it comes out the 19th there will be a paperback right now it's just going to be coming out in ebook it's currently on pre-order though you won't hear that so let's just buy it when it comes out I also, I have a Patreon. You cannot search for it because it is 18 plus content. Mm-hmm. For now, if you go to my Twitter, at GHardGradeWrites, you have, I have a link tree in my bio, as well as my pinned tweet usually has a link to my first novel, The Orchid and the Lion. I have a short story that I wrote. It's Kenny and Dorian. It's a prequel called The Things We Pretend. Mm-hmm. There's the Orchid Line, which is the serial that I have out in Kindle Vella, as well as the link to pre-order or by the time this comes out to actually buy my short story collection. But it also will have a link to my Patreon in it as well. Linktree also has my Apofi coffee. I can never know how to pronounce that. Um, right. As a link to, I run a podcast with uh, Pam Wilson, who goes by Vicky Bookworm. We talk about Alias, which is legitimately it's a show that's been off the air for almost 20 years oh, but wow. we have we have a good time talking about it it was actually one of the reasons we bonded because we we're very different people but we're like oh, oh my god you like this thing <laughs> i have a red I have a red bubble store and if you want to show your support that way there's some stuff with like the book cover on it and the logo there's team peter and team fuck you peter merch I'm trying to remember do these sorts of things because we do plugs at the end of, of our podcast and I'm always amazed by how long I have to talk about the things that I'm available. Right. Like a year and a half ago, that wasn't the case. It was like, I have, a, I have a Twitter. I sometimes post like snippets. That's it. Right. Um, but yeah, so I I think that might be. And I'll put your. Also, oh, no. Yes, my link. Oh, no. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I have I have links that I know that you'll, you'll link to. Yes. So I do Instagram and I have a. Tumblr, I have a TikTok, and I have a Facebook author page, but none of those have I ever done anything within the last like six months because I've had Twitter, and now I'm gonna have to think like how do I use those other social media platforms in order to. Right. Oh, you guys already have so much to do. Why are you doing? I know. It's so painful. And then you have to make sure you fit in what they like and don't like. You know, Twitter's so picky. Or not Twitter. Uh, TikTok's so picky. So is Instagram. I, I, I was going to be doing a lot more promos on TikTok. But you have to be very careful, especially if you write erotic fiction. Oh, like, yes. If I'm not mistaken, you still have to say spicy accountant. Yep. Mm-hmm. You have to say spicy. Exactly. Spicy. It's like, I'm sorry, Spicy Accountant is funny. However, <laughs> right. Dorian and Lake are both terrible. 
they're sex workers. That is what they okay. do for a living. Oh, <laughs> exactly. And I've seen Aww. YouTube videos. They have to like censor everything now in, in like fear of being demonized. Like yeah. it's it's wild to me the yes. way that media has changed. Like we've become less able to communicate than we did before. Oh, I know. It is becoming that way. And it's crazy. I was just talking to someone who was telling me how the movie Jaws, right? The book Jaws. There's a sex scene in Jaws. Like, this used to be okay that there were sex scenes in books, even a mainstream book like that. And now you can't even find it. It's like being eradicated. Well, it's, it's interesting because, like, one of the first books I ever read that, not just, it wasn't about the sex, because I read books with sex beforehand, that sex was kind of integral to the plot, to the character's development. Right. Mm-hmm. There's in Magic by Clive Parker. Also, he's the reason why he have, we have Hellraiser. They just redid that movie and they they updated it and they changed it. And it's all about sex and about pleasure and about experiencing the extremes. Mm. And I I I see people complaining about like, oh, this book was too spicy when it's nothing <laughs> like some of the stuff that really seen out there and like my book is absolutely spicy if someone goes this book is spicy and they're talking about mine believe them right. and i've seen people go oh this book is so spicy it was the smuttiest thing i've ever read and it has one sex scene and it's actually a fade to black you don't see anything <laughs> and it it floors me that that's the case because there used to be like like regular publications like especially in the 70s just yes. porn okay yes. people have collected of these really cheesy porn novels. Oh, yeah. And you have like, the Marquis de Sade, who way before this was writing spacey stuff. Some of the earliest fiction that we have is like from other cultures. The Kama Sutra, for crying out loud. Yes, yes. Now, and now Fade <laughs> to Black is spicy. And like, it's not. It's literally. I know, right? It's so kiss. bizarre. Is and a lot of people have, have made this argument that, like, oh, well, uh, we're being like cognizant of asexual people. There are asexual people, there are asexual people who do not have sex but are sex positive. There are sex repulsive sexuals who don't care what you're doing in your own bedroom and will choose not to engage with that material because they right. don't want to read. You right. can't go. I have a lot of ace friends who get very angry when people mm. try to eat as like a scene, oh like, i bet we don't need you to fight our fight for us thank you yeah yeah exactly yeah so so the other twitter has been like the place that's been convenient and and consistent in terms of I, I follow a lot of people who advertise their only fans or mm-hmm. or other it's like that a lot of erotic fiction authors and like yeah sure we'll censor things that's fine but like we're able to still put them out there and other platforms are like nah can't do it right I can't even, like I said, you can't even search me on Patreon because my my Patreon right. account I explicit erotic fiction. Right. Like mine, I don't think mine is searchable either. Yeah, it's you have to you have to, actually you have to on, give, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say you have to, yeah, you have to give it out directly to people, but that can be very difficult to do. I mean you can put it in your link tree, but yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, so we can't be searching. Now, if your mark is being 18 plus on Twitter now, you mm-hmm. you can't I'm sorry, you can't what? can't be searched if you're marked 18 plus on twitter now right it, it's it's so frustrating oh it totally is it's like it doesn't even make any sense because there's like a giant amount of the people in the world that are over 18 so why are we chopping that out what they just don't get to find people anymore i mean it's just stupid 
it's it's literally I don't like this, and so you can't either. And they are they're 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 using children as scapegoats because right exactly. Then why are you are you passing laws that take free lunch away? Why are you passing laws that make it harder for kids to get an education? Like you cannot in the same breath say you're protecting children and then overturn Roe v. Wade. You can't do that. Right, right. Doesn't make any sense. Makes no sense. And I, as a as a teenager, even young, I was absolutely reading my mom's cosmopolitan magazines. I was absolutely yeah. reading books that were too old for me. Oh, Should yeah, I absolutely. Have, not. However, that was a choice that I made. And yep. like fan fiction, believe me, the stuff that I read in fan fiction when I was 13, 14, 16, whatever years old, Nothing compared to what some people are saying needs to be like censored. Nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. It's getting so crazy. I mean, just everybody's so worried about offending everybody with sexuality when sex is a normal act. It's just fucked up. And then and then people get away with being racist or homophobic or right. Right. Where content can be out there, like, you know, murderers and Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, that shit can be shown to children, the commercials. I mean, what the hell is going on? Seriously. Yeah. And we we talked (laughs) about this before, too. Like, this is the thing that you and I get about, which is fair because, yeah, like, if you're trying to protect children, quote unquote, why are you showing them violent imagery? Now, as an adult, I will view violent imagery that is completely within my purview. Right. There, are even, there are things that even I will watch because I don't I don't want to engage with that. Right. But I make that choice. Yes. I decide that for me and I don't tell someone else you can't watch it. If what they're engaging with is actually problematic, if it is, you know, promoting anti-Semitism or if it's promoting like transphobia or whatever, I will absolutely speak up and say something. Right. However, there's a difference between because there have been people who quote unquote canceled because they had a villain in their story who said some mean things. Right. Like for those of you who have read my book, the villain overall is purity culture. And that mm-hmm. will be this the entire series. In the first book, the 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 villain, Wiggins, she says dumb things that were hard for me to write because I do not hold those opinions. Mm-hmm. And they were about people like me. The problem is that I don't believe those things. And for someone to say, oh, well, you wrote a person who was transphobic or you wrote a person who was homophobic, you must be a terrible person. You know, the whole point of that book is they're trying to fight against those mentalities. Exactly. But you cannot in the same, it's not remotely the same as some of these people who get away with putting out YouTube or TikToks where they're actively telling people that women are inferior. They're actively telling people that Jews are doing this, that, or the other thing. Right. But remotely the same thing. And it brings awareness to those people and it paints them as the villain, which is what I am attempting to do. Yes. Right? I think we're having our problems with that. But I, know I think so too. Who have had people try to call them out, be like, oh, well, you wrote this, so you must agree with it. No, no, vehemently <laughs> not. Have you read the book? <laughs> I don't understand that. When I've had people say the same thing to me, like, this is fiction. This is not memoir. And they like think that you've done that or they think that that's you or that you agree with that. I'm like, it's made up. It's fiction. This is not memoir. I hate it when people do that. And people do that a lot with, for me anyway, with erotica. Like, it's fiction. Am I going to agree with 
<laughs> just if we, if we get into the idea of giving birth and pro shipping, we will literally be here for the next three years. So I, I know, right? That the idea that what you consume in your media is who you are as a person. There is something to be said for what you consume with your news. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely reflective of what you of what you believe as a person because you're choosing to to inform yourself with right. specific channels, with specific news articles or whatever, because it escapes how you view reality. That's mm-hmm. the problem. You want to watch Fox or OAN or whatever, you're going to have a skewed view of the entire actual world. But if right. you are reading fiction that is outside of the things that you believe, that doesn't mean you're going to start believing those things, number one. Right. Exactly. And reality are two different things. Yes. And so for people to get upset, to get up in arms because, oh, someone's reading a book about a murderer or someone's reading a book about <laughs> someone who did the same thing. Like right. it's not it's not the same because right. these are fiction characters. And often bad stuff that happens in those books gets called up. That's actually why things like Fifty Shades and a couple of other books that I've read that are in that same vein, because they don't call out the fact that the dude is, is abusive. Right. They, they portray it as being realistic. Why I've been very vigilant about safe words and yes. safe words and checking in all this. Like when you read a scene in any of my stuff, it is enthusiastic consent. It is people making sure that what they're doing is still okay. It's people calling their safe word when they've had enough and the person they're with respecting that safe word. Right. Yes. And anything else that happens, it'd be the most raunchy, disgusting stuff you've ever seen in your life. Right. You can still tell the people are enjoying it and they're not being abused. Right. Like that's honestly the positive, the most positive effect that I hope. I work. Yes. Oh, yeah. It normalizes showing realistic, respectful, healthy ink and sex. Yes. Because we have so little of that, including even just kissing. Like that idea of two people who don't know each other, just one of them kissing the other person without asking first. We've romanticized that. And I'm sitting there screaming, No, why would you? No, no, bite his lip, bite his lip, his tongue. All right. Exactly. Ah. We'll have to talk about it. We'll have to talk again. The next time that I release the book, I'll have to come on again. Absolutely. (laughs) Definitely. Well, this has been awesome. And this is, I will put the links down in the podcast notes, your link tree, obviously. And you're on Twitter as G Hargrave Writes. And your website, we didn't talk about that, GabrielHargraveWrites.com. Yes, Correct. to be honest, that website has not been touched in a very long time. Oh, hasn't it? Okay. Yeah. People can I still do, find I you. Yes, you can still find it. You can still find me there. And I will eventually, now once I get settled into this new place, I'm hoping to have a lot more time and energy to, to get some things done that have been piling up uh, this month. If not, it's not going to happen because of everything else that I have to get done. But eventually, yeah, my website will be up and it'll have links to a whole bunch of stuff, including my Patreon. I don't think it currently does. But honestly, in terms of finding me, Twitter and Patreon are currently the best ways. And I have now opened up the $3 level, the lowest level, access to the Discord server. Because originally it was $5 and up. But okay. Twitter is, I wanted people to have an opportunity to, to, 
doing that and and uh to to um not have to pay me in our like to do it basically right exactly um, <laughs> yeah i just didn't think it was fair to be like it's open for now it's open for me now then i have patrons who have been paying me this whole time to to have access to that oh sure sure yep makes sense but, yeah so cool. i well, it has been awesome, though. Thank you for sharing all that. It's been a great chat again. And you could come back on any time. And everybody needs to check out your Between Desire and Satisfaction Erotic Tales and Poems coming out November 19th, 22. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Yes. Thank you. You have an amazing day. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Dr. Maddie Lillian, who is a professor who doesn't realize she's a dom until she's with Alicia and she's klutzy as fuck, clumsy, nerdy as fuck, and it drives Alicia absolutely fucking mad. They drive each other mad. They're so fucking attracted to each other. That's why there's so much sex in the beginning. So (laughs) check that out. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have an amazing Saturday. Today's Saturday. I hope you're having an amazing day. And thank you for listening to my podcast episode. Please follow my podcast. Give me a review, a rating. It will help me grow. And thank you for listening to this discussion I had with Gabe. Okay, you have a sexy fucking day. Love ya. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning you get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.